Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, and the third chapter of Ephesians, and the fifth chapter of Ephesians. Now, we're not going to read those three chapters in their entirety, but we're going to read selected verses out of those chapters. We are going to go back to basics this morning. You know, sometimes it's just good to go back to basics, and that's what we're doing today and for the next several weeks. But for a long time, I wanted to either write a book or a booklet or a tract or something entitled, So I'm a Church Member, Now What? You see, I, I believe that so many times we bring people into the Lord's churches and we just sort of say, okay, you're in now. Learn to do whatever you need to do. Amen. Or just come in and enjoy or whatever. And the Bible's very specific about the duties, the responsibilities of church membership. So that's what we're going to look at in this message and in the series of messages that will be coming up for the next several weeks. So let's begin reading. And I'm going to ask you to stand. We'll honor God's word by standing as we read. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 22, talking about God and Jesus, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Then Ephesians 3.21, and you probably don't even need to look at this one. Unto him, and that's talking about God, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And then from Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And then verse 32 of that same chapter, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. I have a lot of questions. I always have a lot of questions. The first one is this. Especially, this one's directed to the members of this church. How important is this church to you? How important is Bethel Baptist Church to you? I'm not going to ask you to put on a 1 to 10 scale or a 1 to 50 scale or anything. Just think in your heart how important this church is to you. You see, God has only established two institutions upon this earth. The first institution is the family. He established that in the Garden of Eden when he joined Adam and Eve together. And he said the twain should be one flesh. And he established the family unit. And I would tell you that the family unit is under attack today by the devil and by the world. And then the other institution that God has established upon this earth is the New Testament church. Now he did not establish a universal invisible church. He established local visible bodies and they're to come together and they are to worship him and every true New Testament church deserves the respect of its members and it ought to deserve the respect of the world and sometimes we don't get it and true churches are under attack today. The large church is so important, true New Testament churches are so important that according to several verses, and we're going to look at these beginning in Acts chapter 20, that according to the Word of God and these verses that we're about to read, Jesus Christ shed His blood for this church. 
and for every true church. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, the apostle Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. The blood of Jesus is upon this church, folks. The blood of Jesus was shed for this church. Luke chapter 22, verse 19, Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper. And as he gives them the fruit of the vine, he tells them to drink all of it, and he says, this is my blood which was shed for you. And then we read back over here in Ephesians chapter 5, 25, where he told husbands to love their wives as Christ also loves his churches, and he says, and gave himself for it. See, there are folks who don't recognize the value. By the way, how is value determined, value of anything determined? By what you're willing to pay for it, okay? Well, what was God willing to pay for this church? The blood of his precious only begotten son. That was the price that it cost for this church to be here and for every true church to be in existence today. But some people don't recognize the value and they don't recognize the importance of the Lord's churches and for that reason, they take the Lord's churches for granted. Amen. I've shared with you the story, but I'll share it again since we're talking about the church of the man who was a church member, but he never attended church. And then one day he decided to go to church and he went to where the church building had been and now there was a 7-Eleven there. And he said, what happened to the church? And they said, well, it, it died. It went out of business. And the man said, well, they shouldn't have let it die. Hmm? Well, maybe if he'd been there occasionally, it wouldn't have died either. And so some don't recognize the importance. And some don't realize that their relationship to the church of their membership is going to affect their fellowship with God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to ignore the church. Well, guess what? It's going to put you out of fellowship with God. And for that reason, there are a lot of folks that find little purpose and they find very little joy in being a member of one of the Lord's churches. I don't know. How do you feel about Sunday? I look forward to Sunday. Amen. I look forward to being here. I look forward. To, you know what? I really like y'all. I do. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. I like y'all. Well, there's a few. No, I'm sorry. That's my family. I love them. Well, I love you too. But see, I enjoy being here. I enjoy meeting with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I look forward to Sunday, and I look forward to Sunday night and to Wednesday night. And so I want us to find joy in our church membership, but I want us to see the importance of it also. And so the purpose of this series of messages is to help us understand the value and the purpose for which God established his churches and made us members of this church. See, I believe that you're a member here because God led you here. The scripture says in Acts chapter 2, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. God adds people to the church. And so I believe he added you here if you're here. And so I want you to see the purpose and the membership and grow as a child of God and as a member of this church. Now I'm going to ask you life's most important question. You know what it is? Can anybody just imagine what life's most important question is? Here it is. Are you saved? Amen. Are you saved? That's the most important question you'll ever face in life. And there's an easy answer. It's either yes or no. Amen. I mean, you ask somebody if they're an American, they'll tell you yes. Or they'll tell you no. You ask somebody if they're married, you'll get a straight reply. All right? But you ask somebody if they're saved, well, I'm trying to be. Well, I hope to be. 
No, the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, was written so that ye may know that ye have life. You can know whether you're a child of God or not. You can know whether or not you are saved. Amen. You know, the folks even act offended if you ask them if they're saved, especially ask a church member if they're saved. Uh, they'll get all up in arms about that. And some church members live like they're not saved. And you want to ask them if they're saved and they get mad at you. What does it mean to be saved? Well, it means to be a child of God. Amen. Well, what is a child of God? Well, a child of God is somebody who has been born from above, who has been born with the new birth, who has been born of God. Over in John chapter 3 and verse 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he says to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see, he cannot enter, he cannot perceive the kingdom of God. And so if you're going to be a child of God, you've got to know God, you've got to be born of God, and a child of God can say like Paul did in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, that I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Can you say that? Can you say that with a clear conscience and with an honest heart that Christ lives in me? What it means to be a child of God is to link your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, to God by faith. Amen. Have you trusted Jesus? Have you turned to God, that's repentance, and have you trusted Jesus for salvation? Here's some questions, a test to apply if you will. Number one, have I realized that I'm a sinner? All have sinned, the scripture says, and come short of the glory of God. Have I seen Jesus as my only hope? There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, the scripture says in the fourth chapter of Acts. Have I turned to God? Again, that is repentance. See, when you're lost, you're going away from God. God's over here, you're going this way. Repentance, you turn around, you recognize you're lost, you turn to God, you look to him for salvation and for the answer. And then have I come to Christ for forgiveness and salvation by faith? The scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God in Hebrews chapter 11. And by grace are we saved through faith, the scripture says in Ephesians 2. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, if you have done that, ask this question. Have I begun to walk in newness of life? See, if you are saved, truly saved, your life will be different afterwards than it was before. Amen. A truly saved person can't keep living like they were when they were going away from God and when they were lost in sin. So am I walking in newness of life? And here's the ultimate question, and we need to answer this. If I were to die right now, where would I spend eternity? After we talked in my office, and I did ask Chris to pray aloud, and I hope I'm not embarrassing him with this. I asked him to pray aloud, and he did. And when he got through, I told him this, and I was honest. I said, I can't see your heart. I don't know whether that's from the heart or from the mouth, but if that was from your heart... Brother, you're saved, okay? <laughs> I heard him ask God to save him and put his all on Jesus, and if he did that, he is saved. Amen. And I'm thankful he wanted to follow him in baptism too. Amen. So again, I want us as children of God to learn to value this church. Now here's another question. Are you a church member? There's a difference between being saved and being a church member. 
Now, a lot of folks that think church membership will save them. Church membership will not save you. You can join every church in this town and die lost and go to hell. You can join every Baptist church in this town and die lost and go to hell. There's a lot of folks that are going to go to hell from the pews of Baptist churches, and that bothers me. You know, it could be. I'm not judging hearts. I'm just telling you the possibility. It could be that some members of this church might die lost and go to hell because they were depending upon church membership to save them. Salvation comes before church membership. Salvation ought to lead to baptism and ought to lead to church membership. See what church membership does, it keeps us from being religious nomads. You know what a nomad is? They live in nomad's land, I'm sorry. They just move from place to place to place. And there are a lot of folks religiously are like that. Whatever is the newest fad, whatever is the latest religious fad, we'll go there and see what's going on there. They're sort of like the folks in the city of Athens that Paul spoke of when he said in Acts 17 verse 21, for all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or hear some new thing. And Paul said to them, you're too superstitious. Folks in Athens wanted to worship every god just in case. They even had one called the unknown god. That's just in case we miss one, you know. And so we want to worship every god. Well, Paul said, you're too superstitious. You're worshiping too many gods. There's one god, and he is Jehovah God, and he sent his son to die for you, and there's one way to be saved, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a lot of folks that just look for the next religious craze. You know, what's going to happen? The next fad, what's going to happen next? Church membership is no substitute for salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus. We are saved by the activity of God. We become church members by the leading of the Holy Spirit, by decisions that we make in reference to that leading of the Holy Spirit, and by the vote of the church. So that's how you become a church member. We can't vote you into heaven, okay? So what's necessary to become a church member? Well, I've just gone through it. Salvation, number one. Scriptural baptism, number two. There needs to be a sound belief. You know, we have a certain set of beliefs. We have a doctrinal statement. Here's the things that we know God's Word to teach. I think there's 22 on our doctrinal statement. And you need to believe those things. See, it's hard to fellowship with people who don't believe like you do. You know, <laughs> If somebody believes that you can lose your salvation, and we know the Bible to teach that once you come to know Christ as Savior, you're saved, that's it. It's hard to fellowship with that person. If they believe that baptism somehow saves you, and we say, no, baptism doesn't save you. It's grace and faith that save you. It's hard to fellowship in that situation. So sound belief. And then here's one a lot of people miss, Christ-like behavior. Christ-like behavior. We need every member of this church to put forth Christ-like behavior on a daily basis. Not just hit and miss. Not just when I feel like it. Not just, you know, we can come to church on Sunday morning and we can look all pious. I'm here. Look how holy I look. Look how righteous. Look how religious I look. And then go out Monday and live like the world. Well, that's not acceptable, really. According to the Word of God. If you're a member of this church, everything that you do, the words that you speak, the way that you live, the things that you do, reflect on this church. Amen. And there are many people who are members of the Lord's churches whose conduct reflects poorly on the church of their membership. And you try to talk to somebody about being saved or about coming to church and say, I don't want to go to church. There's too many hypocrites in the church. And you know why they say that? Because there's too many hypocrites in the church. Amen. I don't know that anybody is, okay? But I'm going to say this. If you are a hypocrite, quit being one. Get right with the Lord.
Church membership is both a duty and a privilege to everybody who's saved. We know that Jesus started his church during his earthly ministry. He gives us the scriptural number where two or three are gathered together in my name, by my authority, there am I in the midst of them. He called out at least four at the very beginning there on the shores of Galilee, more joined. And so if it only takes two or three, he had five at the very beginning. He had a scriptural church. I've told you, I've preached to four people before. They needed it. Three of them were my family. I knew they needed it, okay? Anyway, Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 47 show us that church membership is divinely, after salvation, is divinely appointed, and it shows us the procedure for it. You read those verses. Just Acts 2, 37 through 47. The gospel is proclaimed. People hear the gospel, and you know what happens? The Holy Spirit convicts the hearts. So they're convicted that they're lost sinners, and they turn and they trust Jesus Christ as Savior. They confess Christ through scriptural baptism, what we just saw, and they're received into the church. God added to the church daily, such as should be saved. And as people were converted, as people came to know Christ as Savior, you begin to see churches pop up here and there as groups of people covenanted together to worship and serve God together. Well, what are the advantages? I've already touched on one. You won't be a religious nomad. But God's word shows us that. You know that as church members we are strengthened. I'm strengthened by you. By your attendance. By knowing that you pray for me. By the love that I know that you have for your pastor. Folks, that strengthens me. And we ought to be strengthening one another. We're strengthened in church membership. We are instructed in church membership. I've told you before my desire, even when I'm what, you know, they say, what's the difference between preaching and teaching? And some say, well, you just get louder in preaching. Well, I always want to teach with my preaching. I want people to learn something when I preach. I'm not up here just to spout off my ideas or get a lot of things off my chest. No. I'm up here to preach the Word of God. And we learn from the Word of God. We worship and we witness of the Lord in church membership and as the Lord's churches. And we have a more effective testimony through this unity that we have as a church. Amen. We've all seen and heard of churches that had no unity and they didn't have much of a testimony. But as a united church, we are to have a witness and to have a testimony in this world. And then the last one is this, obedience to the Father because God expects it. God expects us to be members of this church. God expects us to serve Him as a church. So are you a church member? And if you say, yes, let me ask you this question. You say, you're full of questions, preacher. I sure am. Is your church membership all you expected of it? Is your membership in this church or whatever church you're a member of all that you expected of it? Early believers, to them being saved and being a part of one of the Lord's churches was the greatest blessing they could imagine. I'm going to heaven and I can get a taste of heaven on earth while I'm here. See, here's what they were taught. Because they were a member of one of the Lord's churches, because they were a member of Christ's church, number one, they were to guard their conduct. You say, preacher, you're hammering on that. I sure am. We live in a day when many times just out in the world, it's hard to tell a church member from a non-church member, a saved person from somebody that's not saved. I had a man call me one time. I was working for my dad. We hadn't gotten to his job as quickly as he thought. And he began to curse at me. And I told him I didn't appreciate that right quick because I knew this man was a deacon in a Baptist church. Shame on him. 
And I knew which church he was a member of too and I couldn't name it, I'm not going to. Guard your conduct as a child of God. And then they were to preserve harmony among themselves. You know the Bible teaches us a lot about harmony, about forgiveness and so forth. In one church I pastored a couple of young ladies were out of sorts with one another and one of them came to talk to me and I said, let me ask you this question. You're saved. Yes, I'm saved. You're a member of this church. Yes, I'm a member of this church. And you want to worship God in a scriptural church. Oh, yes, I do. I said, what if this were the only scriptural church for a thousand miles around? Would you just quit going to church or would you get right with your sister in Christ and start serving God together with her in this church? I don't know if I helped her any or not, but that's, that's what the Bible teaches. See, here's how it's supposed to work also. The scripture teaches us that those who have been saved longer, those who are more mature, are supposed to bear the infirmities of the weak. The Bible teaches us to forgive one another. And so they're supposed to preserve harmony among themselves. Be stewards of the gospel. You know what a steward is? It was a house manager. You have a responsibility. As a steward of the gospel, what are you supposed to do with the gospel? Share it with others. Not hoard it to yourselves, I'm not going to tell anybody, but to share it with other people. When can we do that? Any time at all, any time of the day, any time you're around somebody, any time God opens the door and gives you the opportunity, tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. and what God does for you. That includes actively witnessing for the Lord Jesus. And then number five, watch for his return. We're taught to watch for the return of Christ. Now watch does not mean don't do anything. Jesus said to some at one point, he said, occupy till I come. And some people think that means just sit down and take up space. Well, that's not what occupy means. You know what occupy means in that verse? It means to be busy with an occupation. Be doing something. We use the word wait sometimes. And we have people who serve, they're called servers now, but they used to be called waiters and waitresses. Well, did they just sit down and, you know, you may think one sat down and did nothing, but actually waiters and waitresses do what? They wait on people. They serve people. They're busy. They're active. And so we're to watch and to wait for the return of the Lord Jesus. And then they were expected to find true joy in their church membership. Somebody joins this church, I expect them to find joy here. Amen. I mean, I found joy here. I love this church. I love being with you, like I said, a few moments ago. Today, some enter into church membership. They don't have any idea what's involved. You know, in America, there are joiners. Vance Havner said one time of America, if you just give them a, a membership card and a gold button, they'll join anything. And that's the way some people do church. I, well, I, I want to join. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group, and we have a web page. And all the time, especially on the Facebook group, I'm getting people who want to become members of the group. And they don't even live around here. They don't live, you know, they live far away. And, and then I look, I always look to see how many groups they're members of. And the thousands, some of them, thousands of groups that they're members of. And I think, you just want to join a group. That's all you want to do. You're not really interested in being a member of this group. And so some, just like they enter marriage, they enter church membership, have no idea. And most of us men especially will admit that when we got married, we had no idea what we were getting into, right? <laughs> Well, I'm saying on the good side of it, okay? But so many enter church membership that way. Don't you think marriage is a commitment? Amen. My wife and I have been married 47 years. We're sort of committed to one another now. You know, it's too late to turn back and it's too late to change. We're committed to one another. But we've been that way for all of those years. 
Marriage is a commitment. Well, guess what? Church membership is just as much of a commitment as marriage is. We commit to serving the Lord through this church. We have a document. I don't know if it, I can't remember if it's hanging up out there. I know there's one in my office called the Church Covenant. Now, I ran across a man just recently. In fact, he came to this church some. Ran across a man. He said, he's got a problem. He said, I'm, I'm not going to agree to any church covenant. I've never heard of it. I don't know anything about it. Well, the church covenant is not divinely inspired. I realize that. But the people who put the church covenant together went through the Word of God, saw all the things that God instructed his churches and members of his churches to do, and just sort of digested that down into a document called the church covenant. It's a voluntary agreement. You don't have to put your hand on the Bible and swear, I'm going to keep the church covenant, so help me. You know, you don't have to do that. But it outlines the things in the Bible, and I've talked through, how many times have I talked through the church covenant here? Maybe I need to do it again. At least two. And when I teach through it, here's what I point out. This is in the Word of God. This is in the Word of God. Here's the verses that tell us to do this. That's what the church covenant is, and we agree to conduct ourselves in a certain way. Some folks find great joy in their church membership. I think I'm looking at some that do. Some folks just find great joy in their church membership. They see their church membership as important. It is important to them. It is important to the Lord. They see their church membership and church activity not as a burden, but here's a glorious chance to worship the Lord. Here's a glorious opportunity to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is my chance to do something for the one who has done so much for me. And you know what? Folks who find joy in their church membership, I'm going to tell you from a pastor standpoint, folks who find joy in their church membership are a joy to be around. Amen. You enjoy their company. You enjoy talking to them. You may not always talk about the Bible or about church stuff, but you just enjoy their fellowship because they're enjoying being a member of the church. They don't have to be persuaded to attend services, do they? We have people in this church who I just expect to be here, not because I expect great things of them, but they've proven I'm going to be there. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, unless I'm ill, out of town, providentially hindered, and I'm not going to push the ox in the ditch to be providentially hindered. But I'm going to be there. People who love and enjoy their church membership don't have to be persuaded to attend services. I'm going to touch on this one briefly. I don't preach about it much. They don't have to be persuaded to give as God instructs. Amen. We received an offering just a few minutes ago. You're not given to me. You're not given to this church. You're given to God through this church. And that's what our offering is. And people who love their church membership and have joy in it don't have to be persuaded to do that. And they don't have to be persuaded to take some responsibility in church. Maybe teach a class. Maybe uh, do something else. Maybe inviting people. Maybe witnessing to people who don't know Christ as Savior. They don't have to be persuaded to work for the growth both spiritually and numerically of the church. Amen. They want to see it grow. They want to see us develop. See, spiritual growth needs to come first, but they want to see the church grow spiritually and they want to see it grow and develop numerically. And they will perform their work cheerfully. And they will perform their work without expecting any special recognition. I just want to serve God through one of his churches. Final question. Is your church membership all it ought to be? Again, active church membership brings satisfaction. 
it brings a certain joy. People who are enjoying the church membership are not here for what they can get out of it. Instead, they're here for trying to see what they can put in. You know, I've used this illustration before, but for people who just want to see what they can get out of it and never put anything in, I'll tell you what you're going to get out of it. The same thing you would get out of a bank where you do not have an account if you went there and tried to withdraw some money. Big old goose egg. Absolutely nothing. People say, oh, I'm a church member. I didn't get anything out of that service today. Well, what did you put into the service? Did you sing the songs and sing them with joy? Somehow I can't sing. That's okay. The Bible says just make a joyful noise. Amen. Now, I'm not calling anybody names, all right? Get this. I'm not calling anybody names. But I've been told that the only bird that doesn't sing is a vulture. I don't know. Just think about that one. But joy and, and participation. They never realize join the church membership because they don't put anything in. But those who do the most in the church. And I should just share with you, I call him the great philosopher. Jerry Clower said one time that 90% of the work of the church is done by 10% of the people and that just is about right. But that 10% are filled with joy and they're filled with love and they get the greatest blessings. Amen. Folks who are careless toward their church membership fail to recognize their responsibilities and their lives are marked by irregular attendance. Their lives are marked by refusing any effort to enlist them in any kind of service. They're just not enjoying their church membership. Many of those, just like I said, have a take it or leave it attitude. They see it as a burden, not a privilege. Folks, it is a privilege to be a member of one of the Lord's New Testament churches. Amen. I just thank God I was raised in one and grew up in one and still am a member of one. And final thought on this before we close it out. Most members of civic clubs pay a greater loyalty to their club than most church members do. Have you ever noticed that? Boy, I got to go to Kiwanis today. It meets at whatever time we're ever. I got to be there for Lions Club. I got to be there for this. They're meeting. If I miss so many meetings, they'll, you know, put me on an inactive list, whatever. Going to church today? No, I don't think I'll go today. Next week, going to church today? No, I don't think I'm going. I'm too tired. Oh, I don't want to get started on that. I was up here at midnight last night, folks. Our alarm went off at 6 o'clock this morning. I'm tired. We've had a busy week. We helped, I'm going to embarrass y'all now, Brother Tim, Sister Therese Moon, and I've been building furniture this week. You know, it's just been one of those weeks. Hospital visits, Sister Erna there. But you're the same people that are too tired to go to church on Sunday morning. Somebody came along and said, hey, you want to go fishing? Want to go play golf? Want to go here? Oh, yeah, man, I'll go. Simply stated, folks, we do what we want to do. And if we enjoy our church membership, we'll want to go to church. Well, I said last question, I have one more. Why should I have an active church membership? Why should I have an active, why should I be active in church? Number one, gratitude. Just simple gratitude. Jesus is the head of this church. We read that. He's the head of every true New Testament church. He is the one who bought us, who paid for us, and out of a heart of gratitude, we ought to want to have an active membership in the church that he started. Amen. Identification. To be identified with the Lord Jesus. To be See, if you're identified with a true church, you're identified with Jesus. 
By the way, that's what baptism does. Baptism's like a soldier putting on a uniform. I know the Navy uniform. I know the Marines uniform. I know the Army. And so those uniforms identify them. Baptism identifies us. Church membership identifies us with the Lord Jesus Christ. And because this church and every scriptural New Testament church is so precious to the Lord Jesus. Listen, Jesus loves this church. God loves this church. And we as members ought to love this church. Or if you're not a member of this church, I'm thankful we have visitors today. If you're not a member of this church, love the church that God put you in. Amen. And if he moves you, consider us, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> Had to throw an ad. You can't see anything without a commercial these days, so I thought I'd do that. Active church membership in order to glorify God. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. We are not here today to glorify the preacher or any member of this church. We're here to glorify God. I hope you had that in your heart when we sang those songs. You're glorifying God. And in order to store up rewards over in 2 Timothy. I love this. is beautiful. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5. Paul's writing to this young preacher and he says this. And if a man strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. You say, what does that mean, preacher? If you want to win the prize, you've got to play by the rules. Anybody remember Ben Johnson? Surely you wouldn't because he won a race in the Olympics, but he got his medal taken away from him. Why? He violated the steroids policy. I remember Ben Johnson, but very few people do. Why did he lose his reward, his award? He didn't play by the rules. God has some rules for his awards or rewards that he gives us. And I believe the chief one is this, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. We glorify God through the church, through serving him through this church. What's involved in active church membership? It requires we participate in all of its functions. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revivals, business meetings, special meetings. Just ought to be here. You say, can you really do that? I grew up that way. Listen, I had a drug problem growing up. I was drugged to church Sunday morning. I drugged to church Sunday night. I drugged to church Wednesday night. <laughs> Revival times. And I don't think I'm too warped, okay? People say, oh, if you make a child go to church and sit there and behave and listen to the preacher, it'll warp them. I think I'm fairly normal. Well, as normal as... Thank you. <laughs> People who know me, right? Be present to observe the Lord's Supper. I hate to hear anybody say, well, it's just the Lord's Supper. No, it is the Lord's Supper. Amen. A lot of excuses for not obeying Christ when it comes to church membership, but folks, not a one of them can stand up to the Word of God. And today, it's very popular for one to say, well, I love being a Christian, but I don't have any use for the church. Or to say, you can be a Christian without being a member of a New Testament church. You know what my opinion of that is? That's a lie straight out of hell. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Why do you say that, preacher? Well, number one, what does Christian mean? It means Christ-like. Literally, it means a fanatic for Christ. Okay? That's number one. Number two, Jesus is in church every Sunday morning. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. We're meeting here. There's more than two or three here. You can see that. Well, we're meeting here by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's here. God's here. The Holy Spirit's here. Amen. Number three, Ephesians 3.21 again. I can't escape that verse. Unto him be glory in the church. 
God didn't say unto him be glory just being saved and floating around being no church member. He said unto him be glory in the church. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25. God inspired the writer of Hebrews to write, if you believe in the inspiration of the Bible, God inspired these verses written, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, which tells us that we're to be meeting together and encouraging one another and uplifting one another. And it says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but it says meeting together so much the more as you see the day approaching. And number five, a New Testament church is the body of Jesus and Jesus is the head. The people who say are saying, I love Jesus, but not the church. You know what they're saying? I love the head, but not the body. No, you can't love the head without loving the body. So either you don't love Jesus, or you're not telling the truth. Jesus did not start this church or any New Testament church to be an option for people. I'll go if I want to. I'll join if I want to. He did not start it to be an option for people or as a place for entertainment. You want entertainment? There's a world out there that'll entertain you. There's churches out there that'll entertain you. That's not what we're here for. We're here to preach the Word of God, to worship God, and to serve God. Jesus began His churches to bring glory to the Father through the Son as they are directed and guided by the Holy Spirit. So I would ask one more question. What's your excuse? If you don't love the church, if you're not faithful to church, what's your excuse? Have you measured it against this right here? Because I tell you what, not a one of our excuses will stand up to this. This is the divinely inspired and inerrant word of God. And God says, don't forsake assembling together. Now, I'd usually say it jokingly. I'm not joking. I know, I know, I know, I know. Because our people always prove it. If I'm going to talk about church attendance on Sunday morning, we'll show you on Sunday night. We don't have to come, but I encourage you to come back tonight. Don't worry about me. Be true to the word of God. Do what God's word says. You can dislike this preacher. You can say, I'm not going to listen to you. But listen to the Word of God and do what it says. And then if you're here this morning and you have never repented toward God and put your faith in Christ, I'm going to ask you again, if you were to die right now, can you say with 100% certainty, I'd go to heaven. I'd be with the Lord. If Jesus were to return right now, can you say with 100% certainty, I would go and be with the Lord? If not, it might be that you need to be saved today.